And um, there's a river that we're going to pretend is here today, and it's called the Jordan, and it runs right up this aisle. And this side of the river was where Israel was wandering in the wilderness after they had been set free from Egypt. And uh, God tried to say to them that what you feel is impossible, I'll help you live there. I will help you live there. I'll provide for you every day. Now, a lot of the Israelites wouldn't take him at his word. They talked about how powerful his word was all the time. And they talked about how powerful he was all the time, but they wouldn't believe him. And finally, that generation died off, and God said to the younger generation, led by Joshua and Caleb, I am going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to take you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Every, everywhere you turn, it's full of awe. And Joshua and Caleb and those younger people said, we believe that you're telling us the truth. And they came across the Jordan River, and as they were coming to it, the waters parted and they moved across into the promised land. And I want to say to every person in here that has never crossed the Jordan in baptism, as an adult, I want you to know that day is coming where you'll want to, okay? Here's why you'll want to. Because you reach a point in your life where you get so tired of wandering around in the wilderness trying to say that you believe God, but you just can't get it to connect. And the day is coming where you're going to need to say, I've just got to be baptized into Christ. I've got to cross through into the promised land through Jesus, and his word is clear that I need to be baptized. Now, when that time comes, let me tell, tell you something. You will not be able to deny it. It isn't a deal where you make it up, say, well, I think I'm just going to be baptized. No, it's a deal where you will at first want to resist it, and he will not let up, and finally you'll have to say, I have to be baptized. But why? Because we want to go into the promised land. So now then, what I want you to see is that when they crossed the Jordan and they were in the promised land, the first thing that happened to them, remember, this is a land flowing with milk and honey, and I want you to catch something. The first thing that happened is they ran right into a wall. Now, something's not right with that picture. Because God had been very clear. If you come into this promised land, and it's called the promised land, I'm going to be there and I'm going to provide for you. And the first thing, listen to this, church, the first thing that happened was they ran right into this wall. And it was there for a reason. The wall, you would know as the revelation about the walls of Jericho. But what I want you to get is those walls were there to get a message to the newborn. You're going to need to learn to live a life of impossibility. You're going to need to experience immediately. I'm going to show it to you immediately. You are used to going through life thinking you control everything. And I heard you say in your prayers, you believed me. But I'm going to have to let you encounter something. I'm going to have to let you encounter, first thing, the walls where you go, we don't know how to do that. And he said, I know you don't, but you're going to learn to live with me and I'm going to show you that you believe me and I'll be the doer. 
And that's exactly what goes on for you and me. You and I are the people that believe him. We study him. We praise him as we have just done. But here's the thing about you and me that is so exciting we can hardly take it in. And that is that we hit walls not because we're sinful and he doesn't like us anymore. We keep hitting walls in life. So that he can say, do you remember the Israelites, how they hit one the first thing, and what happened to those walls? They say, well, strange stuff happened. And he said, right. So I want you to look at the Word of God in Joshua chapter 5. And I want you to see something there, the very first thing in Joshua 5. He says in verse 1, Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west... And all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. Why were those walls there? Why did Jericho close the doors? Toward God's promised people. Because inside that city, the spirit of the people had just drained them and they were afraid and they didn't want to be in touch with God's children. So now then, God's children, they're supposed to be able to go wherever it is that he leads them. And the first thing is they've hit this wall. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you've hit the wall, but it doesn't mean that you've hit an impossible one. I want to show you what we're going to do, he said. I want you all to get together and I want you to walk around that whole city, all those walls, because those walls are there to say to you, stay out, you can't touch us. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to just walk around the city every day for six days, just walk around it. I want you to get it in your mind how big those walls are, how impenetrable if you could say that word, Rush, uh, those walls are. How you can't get through, how impossible they are. Do you get the picture? Six days worth? Yes. Then on the last day, I want you to march around a lot of times. And when I tell you, I want the whole nation to erupt. And I want you to watch what happened. And when they obeyed what he said and they watched what happened, archaeologists say that the ruins that they have found show that the walls fell out, outward. Meaning what? That when God caused the walls to fall, he had his invisible angelic agents on the inside saying, when we get the cue that they out there shout, we got our cue in here. Everybody ready? Push! And out the walls came. We want to get it in our system that our God has not changed one dot of his enthusiasm to defy all of the world in what it says in its construction of walls. When we hit walls, it is not a signal that we are misunderstanding our God. It is the signal, look to him. It's incredible. That he gives us this instruction. So in in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No No one went out. No one came in. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, and its kings and its valiant warriors. See? Yes. See? I've given them into your hand. It sure looks like it. Not. But he said so. Yes. Now, people, we keep bringing our human measurement to God's work. And we keep turning away because we thought that we had assessed things well. But when we remember that we live the life of impossibility, everything changes. And the Lord said to Joshua, verse 2, See, I have given Jericho into your hand its king and its valiant warriors, and you shall march around the city, all the men of the war circling the city once. You shall do it for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. I want to show you a wall. I want to show you a wall in John chapter 11. There was a wall that was hit there. It's found in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, him who you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, church, listen to this. When we hit walls, we think that it is a signal unto death. We think it is a signal unto being stymied. But it isn't. It is a signal for the glory of God to be seen. He loves, he loves it when his children encounter walls. And they say, you know, we have a God who is a wall handler. We have a God who handles walls. Now, We need to see this. We need to know it about the glory of God. Yesterday, the word spread like wildfire about the plane crash. The Lester family, Dr. Vedito, killed in this bizarre plane crash. Steve and Dana Lester were members here when they were young marrieds. Mike and Gina Ishmael led them to this place, and I think that Mike baptized Steve here. Steve was on our softball team. They were a big part of our young marrieds. What a wall for all those who, those who were connected with them to hit. What a wall. But our God is such a wall handler that I guarantee you that while Park Plaza, especially today, the Park Plaza Church of Christ, where all five of those victims were members. I guarantee you that today is one of Park Plaza's best days because of their God. Not because of their emotions, 
but it's one of their best days. I just wrote a blog yesterday before I knew this news. I just wrote on our church website, my part of the blog, on what causes healthy churches. Part number two was plenty of heartbreak. There is something about the Spirit of God that goes on among us even when we are drowning in our own tears because we know our God. And we know what about Him? He's a wall handler. We know that He shows up at the most amazing times in the most profound and phenomenal ways because He is a pro at it. We're not. He gives us the walls to keep reminding us, you aren't the one that supplies He keeps giving us the walls to remind us, you are not the one who fixes anything. He keeps giving us those walls, not to punish us in the least, but to cause us to run into them over and over and over. To say, do you remember me and my children in the early days when they were shut out and the city wouldn't let them in? And he said, I took care of that. I helped them get in. And I'm telling you that what many are experiencing regarding regarding what I just described is so grievous that we can't even describe it, let alone try to sense it. And I don't know how Carrie and Cody Vedito think about today. I don't know how Sarah and Matt think about today because we don't know how to provide that but our God is ideal and it always takes us back to him to remind us that he is right in that really peddling quickly in Isaiah chapter 66 I want to show you in verse 2 this passage But to the one, but to this one, I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. This is the one that I will look at. But to this one, I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, broken down in Psalm, uh, Psalm 34. Look at verse 18 and 19. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them or out of them all. How many times, God? A hundred percent. How many walls? As many as you hit. How long can I count on you? As long as you're believing me, as long as you're living, you can count on me. He said, I know how to handle them. Now, here's what he's trying to tell you and me. It is not a matter that we ever become strong enough, but it is always a matter that we conclude that we are too weak, but that he is strong enough. Now, where we get in trouble, church, is trying to gather ourselves into a frenzy of we're capable of handling it. We're not. We are not. The ministers are not. The elders are not. The counselors are not. The pros at faith are not, whoever they might be. He is. We are not. And he said, but I don't want you to get discouraged. I know 
how to handle walls. I can do it. I've done it for centuries. I've done it since creation. So look at this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're getting toward the end. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. God is intentionally... Here's You know what I like about being in a church? I was a pretty... I don't know. It doesn't matter. Well, I'll finish it because you're wondering what I'm talking about. Now, I am wondering a little bit myself. But I was a, I was a pretty good kid. But you know what I like about being in a church? It is pure defiance. It is our time to be rebels. Because God defies every measurement that the world says counts. When the world says, hey, you've got to accumulate and you've got to collect. And God said, if you all will just believe me and you give away and give away, I want to tell you something. You'll come out ahead. He teaches his people to defy the standards from which the world barks. I like that. And you see, what I like about this reading here is that he's, he said to me, who was about as nothing as nothing can get, I have a place for you. And I'm going, you're kidding me. You do? And he said, I do. And he says to you, who believe that you are just not enough, he said, ah, I have a place for you. And we get together and we say, do you think... God, do you think really you could put us together and make something out of us? And he said, did you ever hear about the wall? And we said, yeah. What did they do that day at the wall? And he said, well, they did sort of a dumb thing. They kept walking around in a circle. He said, that's us. Here's what we do. You believe me, I'll do the work. Deal? And we say, deal. So he says in verse 28, in the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are. This is why I want to be on the Christian side. You can't calculate how he is going to break the backs of the people who try to block him out. And I want to be on the side where he shows his hand. That no man should boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us the wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We think, we don't mean to do this, but we get to thinking we know how things are going to go. And then Friday Lita said to me, God is always sending stuff for my sermons on Friday and Saturday. And Friday, Lita said to me, hey, look at this note. And she opened this envelope and handed me the note and the check. And there's a family in another state that heard our sermon online, and they heard about Gap, where we collected the money to help our people who are temporarily out of work. So they sent a check for $100.
themselves being disabled. And you go, who, when we put that together, figured that was what go on? What we'll do is we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, take the sermons, we'll send them out into that one city, and there'll be a check come in. We'll know that'll go on. No, we don't know it. Because God has people on the other side pushing on the walls. And it's just an interesting thing and a fun thing to watch. I was visiting with Rick Ashley this week about uh, thousands of things. And we, we just had a wonderful time talking about our work. It was so fun. I was telling him about, uh, we got to talking about world evangelism. And... Uh, we each are. We each know in pockets and zones that the other one doesn't know, and it was just fun for both of us to connect dots and put them together. And I was telling him about uh, one of the exciting things about Iran that Chuck Colson says is that he says the Chinese Christians are going to take care of Iran. And he said that two years ago at a seminar here in town, and he he said that the the Christians in China will take care of Iran. And so here I'm feeding uh, Rick this stuff, and he said, "Yeah." And he said, "Did you know? Did you know about the Chinese that they have a back to Jerusalem movement going on?" I said, "I didn't know it." How did you know that? He said, "I read about it." And I said, "Well, tell me about it." He said, "Well, he said the Chinese Christians are planning to go back to Jerusalem and take a swath and turn it into Christianity all the way through from China back to Jerusalem." And he said, "They say there's two things that'll make it work." One is they understand persecution, because they already are. And two, they understand how to be there and be hidden, because they already are. I wish I'd have thought of that. That is God thinking, isn't it? This is amazing. I meant, that is amazing. (laughs) Now let's talk about your wall. You need to be so excited. I I want to tell you this with zero disrespect but total faith in our God. I don't know how the Vetitos and I don't know how the Lesters and those families and their dear friends can breathe. But I'm telling you, they will have reason to because our God knows how to handle that wall. He'll use, he'll use people to minister best that would, who would you guess? are the people that earlier in their life hit that wall. He'll use them best. Because, you see, we capitalize on learning from our God. So I want to encourage you about your wall. I know that it is there, and it stands there so big and bullish at times and just barks at you, and you just want to go, quit telling me that you're present, and it won't. But I want to tell you this. God knows how to push it down from the other side without you lifting a finger simply because you believe he can because he can. So we're going to sing an invitation song today. And if your faith is tired and it's chipped up a little bit and dented and you need us to pray with you, we really want to pray with you because we love, we love pulling people back together. And if, my friend, you're one of those that everywhere you turn lately, it, the thought keeps coming in, I need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. I, I don't remember doing that. I've wanted to do that. I'm telling you, here's another signal from him. He is calling your heart. Resist it today. He'll be back tomorrow, and that's fine. But I need to tell you, he will not let up on you because he wants you. Okay? 
He wants everybody. Jesus told his disciples at the very end of his ministry, I want you to go into all the world and tell them this. I want them to be baptized. Okay? I want them to be baptized, and I want you to understand I'm going to be with you all the way through while you're telling